Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. We want to thank you for your prayers while we were gone to Madagascar a couple of weeks ago. Had a great time, uh, built four tabernacles. And uh, it, was really, it was really exciting. Uh, the one we put up on Saturday, beautiful, uh, picturesque site. You look out over the mountains and the valleys and uh, just lovely, lovely scenery. Well, we got to report the next day, Sunday, they had 17 that came forward to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so we were, we were really excited about that. Then uh, on Sunday, I uh, had the privilege of ministering back in a tabernacle that we had built three years ago when we were there. And they had finished it, closed in the walls, they had doubled the size of it. It's a vibrant, growing church today, and uh, so we thank God for that. Thank you for all of your help, all of your assistance in what you've done in our missions program, and it was a wonderful trip. We were in the country six days. We built four tabernacles. One each day, Sunday, we had church, and that left one day. Can you imagine what we did on that one day? Nope. Wasn't religious at all. Went shopping. And I can tell you that was not a religious experience for me. Starla, on the other hand, she, uh, she had a wonderful time. And you know what's interesting is, you know, all the, all the time that we've been to Africa, Starla always gets up on the roof with me. She's, uh, she's the best roofer I got because she's the only one who's not too fat that dent in the tin. The rest of us are too fat. We step on those ridges, and you've got a big crease in there, and you can see them, but Starla's so light, she just kind of floats over. So anyway, so she's up there, and every trip she's been up there. Well, for some reason this time, all of a sudden, it's like they had never seen a woman with a tool belt on before. I mean, people would just stand down on the ground, and they would look, and they would point at her and everything, and, then, and I was really excited. I thought they were pointing at me. But then I'd walk away, and they were still pointing at her. And so we would come down off the roof, and, and, and people would gather around her. They would want to touch her. Mamas were putting their babies in her arms and taking selfies with her. I mean, you know, it's like she was a rock star. And uh, so anyway, we were, that was kind of exciting. And so I harassed her all the time. I said, well, do we need to get a limo for you to ride home in? She said, yeah, that'd be good. Big boy, go get it. But anyway, we had a great time. We felt your prayers. And uh, God did great things on that trip. And we know that we are going to be able to see people in heaven that are going to be there because, as a church, we gave and we went and lives were changed. So God bless you very, very much. We, uh, we so appreciate it. Well, when we were in Madagascar, one of the tabernacles we built was in a neighborhood of the capital city, Antananarivo, and the nickname of this neighborhood was called Little Texas. Imagine that, Little Texas. Well, it was called that because <clears throat> the Malagasy people, they named it that because it reminded them of what they thought the Old West looked like back in cowboy days. There was a lot of crime in the neighborhood. There were killings. 
Wasn't much law and order. So they thought that's how Texas was back in the day. And so they called this neighborhood Little Texas. And so I was up on the roof, and, and it was a hilly place, and I could look down and see all over the neighborhood. And I noticed as I looked around that there were groups of men all over the place. Here, 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 over there. Three men, five men, ten men. But groups of men, and, and some were standing, some were throwing dice, some were crouched down playing cards. Others were just sitting down on the curb of the street with their feet in the gutter, staring off into space. But the whole time we were up putting the roof, I mean, this dynamic never changed. They never moved. They never went from group to group. They just kind of stayed in that one little area doing whatever they were doing. And so I came down and I asked the pastor about it because it was kind of interesting. And so he told me that employment and obviously in the whole country is bad. Madagascar is one of the poorest countries in the world, but in that neighborhood, it was especially bad. Unemployment was bad. Times were hard. And, and these men, they have no hope. And so there was no expectation for anything better. No expectation that anything was ever going to improve. And so I had been reading in... Uh, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 3, and it reminded me of a story that I want to visit with you about for a few minutes today. And if you'll turn to Acts chapter 3, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. And the Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at that hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Verse 5. So the lame man gave them his attention. Why? Fill my cup. He expected to receive something from them. Now expectations are, are good. But we need to be careful because there is a danger of setting the bar too low. Because the thing is, you generally get what you expect. Perhaps you've heard ladies say, well, I don't trust men. Men are all dogs. Well, you generally get what you expect. Or some guy will say, I'm not letting you next to me. You'll just break my heart. Well, you generally get. Your people all the time say, oh, no, I can't afford that. I don't have time to go back to school, or my favorite, I'm too old to feel good. 
Well, you generally get what you expect. And you know, here we are in the ecclesiastical realm. And in church, what are we always talking about? We're talking about faith, having faith. Well, what's interesting is that all faith is really designed to do is to raise our expectations from where we are to another level. And so today, do you have the courage? Do you have the courage to raise your expectations from where they are? Now, be careful. Because most people won't do it. Because they're so afraid of disappointment and failure that they would rather settle and live down here rather than to reach up for something up here. Because they don't want to be disappointed. So they stay down on the ground with a tin cup begging for change. When they could be moving into the flow of Almighty God. But it's because that we are so afraid of disappointment and failure. You know, there have been studies that have shown that some well-intended community programs that were really meant to help people, well, they didn't really succeed. For example, low-income housing, where you have neighborhoods of less fortunate people living together. And the purpose of this was to make sure that people had a roof over their head, a place to stay, and that's a good thing, of course. But the thing is, what they found out, if all the people who live around you don't have any more than you do, your expectation will never change. If you don't see better, you won't do better. But if you can see something different in your neighborhood, if you can see something different in your school, if there's a, the, the, the opportunity for promotion at your job, you learn to put a demand on life and you expect more for yourself from yourself. After all, if he can do it, I can do it. But you see, if I don't see anyone doing it, I'm going to stop reaching for it, and you cannot receive anything that you're not reaching for. Hey, friend, you ain't going to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. No, I'm not promoting that. I said it as a ridiculous thing for what church people should be doing, but that's a different sermon. So what we have in our text today is a guy who's making the best of a bad situation. And so I want us to look at his physical lameness, but I want to look at it through a spiritual lens. Because after all, we have all been spiritually lame at one time or another, haven't we? And so this man, he's been lame from his mother's womb. It's all he's ever known. Now, when all you've ever known is lameness, sometimes it's hard to develop an appetite for wholeness. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's like this. You like the idea of being happily married, but you'll pick a jerk who's mean because the nice guy is boring. 
Oh, I know, I know, he's so nice, he's so sweet, but I'm just not attracted to him. Well, see, perhaps your dad was a jerk. Perhaps your brother was a jerk, which my sister doesn't have that problem. But perhaps someone in your life was a jerk, and so you are attracted to what you're exposed to. And so even though you say you don't want it, you end up gravitating to what your normal is. So this man was lame from his mother's womb. Anytime you've been lame all of your life, anytime you've been insecure all of your life, or you've been angry all of your life, you develop a, you develop a norm around an ugly situation. And what happens is your ugly becomes normal. And so this man was lame all of his life, and so he built normal around his disability. And he built routine around his disability. Now, routine is what you build around what you think you cannot change. So verse 2 says, daily they laid him at the gate called beautiful. When he woke up in the morning, he never had a thought to get up and walk. He didn't expect to get up and walk. He woke up in the morning, he waited, he called his buddy on the cell phone, said, come get me, carry me out to my same spot. They picked him up, they carried him out, and laid him at the gate. And you know, when you do something every day, day in and day out, a lot of times you forget what day it is. Have you ever said, is this Tuesday? Sure looks a lot like Friday. So every day, he ended up at the same spot. Maybe you can relate. You took different jobs, but you always ended up at the same spot. You met different people, but you always ended up at the same spot. And every day, they dropped him at the same spot. And I can imagine him saying, why should I prepare for anything different? I have my routine. I know how to do this. Go ahead, just carry me and lay me at the same spot. I don't have to think anymore. I don't have to prepare anymore. I'm not challenged by life anymore because daily I end up at the same spot. So his routine was daily he was laid at the gate called beautiful. Now, this gate is beautiful. It's absolutely amazing. And so that brings up another issue. Remember, we're looking at his disability through a spiritual lens. So now we have an ugly problem at a beautiful place. Have you ever had an ugly problem at a beautiful place? I mean, how can everything look so beautiful on the outside, and yet I have an ugly little secret on the inside? As the writer said, how in the world can it be the best of times and the worst of times? Because look at the contrast in this man's life. He's laid daily at a beautiful gate, but he has an ugly problem that stops him from getting beyond the gate. Hmm. And so what is a gate? Well, a gate is access. 
And so every day they laid him close to something that he couldn't get past. Do you ever get tired of being close? Almost. You know, close only works in horseshoes and hand grenades, if you think about it. I almost got delivered. I almost got that job. I'm really close to being happy. And so every day, he was close. Every day, he almost, almost got through the gate. But yet, daily, he's laid at a place of access that he can't go through. And you know, to be honest, it's frustrating to see other people going in and I'm just able to go near. It's human nature, you know, to think if I can't go in, I sure don't want to watch you go in. And when you see other people doing things that you can't do, the devil will try to make you think that you're cursed. And if you're not careful, you'll start to, you'll start to believe, well, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm not supposed to be healed. Maybe I'm not supposed to have an abundant life. And so anytime you can't go in, you start making excuses. Because it hurts to see other people going into what I can only be near. And so my excuses become comfort, which leads to my incapacity. I would have been further in life if my sister hadn't been mean to me. That's a true statement. I wouldn't be like this if I would have completed school. It's not my fault. The system works against me. And so now you comfort your incapacity with excuses every day. That's what's amazing is, is that this man is outwardly what the temple was spiritually. Because they're both lame. See, the temple he sat in front of was the same temple that was grappling over whether Jesus was who he said he was. It was wrestling over whether Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus has now ascended back into heaven, and this temple is trying to get back to business as usual, comforting themselves that they had not missed the Messiah. And they made excuses. They told lies. They spread the word. He wasn't real. And so the temple is as lame theologically as the man is physically. And so we really have two temples. Because the man is a temple, and of course the temple is a temple, and they're both lame. What a contrast. The temple is lame because they've rejected Jesus. The man is lame because his ankles don't work. And lameness always likes to rub shoulders with lameness. 
Lame people like to run around with other lame people because then they don't have to be challenged. They can stay in their routine. Because, you know, I think the fact is lame people don't feel comfortable around whole people. That's why gossipers don't like to hang around with people who don't tolerate gossip. Just because I'm looking at you, that doesn't mean I'm preaching to you. But I might be. So as a lame man who lies in front of a lame temple, I'm comforted by the fact that my friends aren't whole either. One big happy family. If you don't like your wife, I don't like my wife, so we go out and have lunch and let's talk about how bad we have it. Now, that's not true. I love my wife. And I probably should have used a different example because that's probably going to cost me a pair of shoes. But, uh, but if a woman isn't happy with her husband, she's not going to rest until she finds another woman who doesn't like hers. And then they're going to go out together and have coffee and talk about it. Why? Because dysfunction loves company. Miserable people like to hang out with other miserable people because happy people, frankly, get on their nerves. Now, I know this isn't a shouting sermon today. It's kind of where we live. But you need to understand, I don't want to upset your apple cart unless I can. But if happy gets on your nerves, it's probably because you're not whole. So here's the thing. Every one of us, every person in this room comes to the gate. Because like I mentioned earlier, the gate is access. Well, the gate is also opportunity. And friend, your life does not have to be routine. It doesn't have to be ritualistic. If you want more, you can have more. If you believe for more, you can get more. If you want abundant life, you can have abundant life. You usually get what you expect. But when you make a routine out of being miserable, when you make a routine out of complaining, you are lame sitting outside the gate. Have you ever known someone who is so used to being dysfunctional or so used to being angry and frustrated that when they said something nice, it scared you? Don't look at your spouse. It'll cost you some shoes too. Just keep your eyes straight ahead. If happy is unusual for you, it means you are lying at the gate. But friend, I want to challenge you today. Make up your mind and say, I am going to break out of my routine. Listen, your faith will never have anything to do until you break your routine. You don't even need God's word until you break your routine. Because the Bible says faith is a substance of things that you hope for. Faith is a substance of things you expect. But if you don't expect anything, you're going to get up on Sunday morning and you're going to say, Oh, man. Do I really want to go to church today? I don't know if I want to. It's cold. I 
Dallas is playing early today. You don't know if you want to go to church or not because you don't have a dream to feed in your life. You're not trying to gain access through the gate. You're content to sit at the gate daily. Well, friend, I can teach you how to cook, but I can't teach you how to be hungry. And your blessing is predicated on your next hunger pain. Because he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, that is who is going to be filled. If all you want is to be laid daily at the gate, if you're content in your lameness, that is as good as it is ever going to be. And that explains why some people are so hard to encourage. It's because they don't want to break up the routine that they have created through their low expectations. They're so afraid of failure that they just won't try. And they live their life by that wonderful, positive motto. Since I'm not getting out of jail, let me decorate my prison cell. Since I'm never going to have abundant life, just lay me here at the gate called beautiful. And I'll watch other people go in. Now, religion, religion had walked past this man. Religion had gone in and out of the gate day after day because, well, let's be honest. Religion has its own routine. We're always out by 1130. Don't sit there. That's Brother Bob's seat. We always do the choir song before we have prayer. And so religion has its own routine. So religion is walking past this man daily, and it's, it is, it's throwing a few coins in his cup, but you see, religion couldn't heal his broken ankles. Religion couldn't raise him up. Just like religion might throw a few coins in your cup on Sunday morning, but it's not going to raise you up either. It's not going to heal what's broken in your life. So we come to church on Sunday morning and we say, well, service was nice. Pastor's sermon, it was okay. But oh, 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 I love it when Starla sings that song. It gives me goosebumps. I love it. Mm. And so religion always throws coins in your cup. It'll comfort you in a crisis. It may make you feel better, but it doesn't change anything. You leave here the same way you came in. So religion drops coins in the cup of routine. And it doesn't matter what kind of church you go to. It can still become a routine. You see, because it isn't about going to church it's about expecting something from God. You can go until your buns are numb, but if you don't expect something from God, you're not going to get anything from God. You can be right in the very presence of God and never get healed because you didn't expect God to heal you. 
All you expected was coming to church. And all you got was going to church. You're laying outside the gate. You're lame and you're just looking in the door. But those who expect something to happen say that I am tired of religion. I am tired of just getting a few coins in my cup. I need more than a few goosebumps. I need a radical transformation in my life. God, I need a breakthrough today because I am expecting my latter days to be my best days. That's the expectancy you come to church with. So routine, hobnobs with religion. Religion has been passing the time, throwing coins in the cup of routine. What that means is you can go to church for 35 years, but not be any better than you were when you started. You can argue about who sits where. You can argue about what kind of donuts are served. But you're not drawn deeper To the Lord, because all you come is expecting a few coins in your cup. Alms, alms for the poor. Alms for the pseudo-Christian. A few goosebumps make me feel better. So routine and religion have been dancing for years. When all of a sudden, relationship crashes routine's party. Now, your Bible says that it's Peter and John who crashed the party. But Peter and John are relationship because relationship will always trump religion. Relationship will shake up routine. Ladies, you've worn that same ratty warm-up suit to Walmart every Saturday for the last five years. But since they got that new, hot, good-looking greeter, you have changed your routine. Someone sees you down, they go, oh, mama, woo! It's been two or three years since the resurrection of Jesus, and here comes Peter and John cruising up to the temple. Do you realize that every major place Jesus went, he always took Peter, James, and John with him? Why? Because they had relationship. And friend, I want you to know, when you have relationship, when you have more than just religion, but you have relationship with Jesus Christ, you learn to expect something different every day of your life. But if you only show up at church on Sunday morning, if you don't live like a Christian until Sunday, you don't have a relationship with God. You have religion with church. Darla, can I say that sucks from the pulpit? I can't say that. I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible. That is not good. Until church gets in your Monday through Saturday, including Friday night, you are just religious. Friend, until God hears your voice other times than just Sunday, until God sees you praying over your finances, praying over your children, praying over your marriage, over your health, you don't have a relationship. You just have religion. Oh, it's Sunday. What am I going to do? 
religion. So relationship came up and came up and faced routine, stood in the face of religion, and said, look on us. Said, sir, you may be breathing, but you're not getting any better. Relationship said, hey, you've been laid at the gate of religion all your life. But you need to understand, we did not come to church today to get a relationship. We came to church with our relationship. We didn't wait till we got here to praise God. We were praising God before we ever left the house. Relationship will always break the routine. Ladies, if your man all of a sudden, out of the blue, wants to start going to the grocery store for you, and he puts on cologne to go, you better check out the checkers at the neighborhood Walmart. Relationship will always shatter routine. So routine set at the door of religion, looking on relationship, expecting to receive something. The lame man said, what are you going to put in my cup? Well, it's just like in John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman at the well. She expected Jesus to be a certain kind of man. Because normally, men didn't hang around at the well. So she says, oh, you want some water? Yeah, right. You don't even have anything to draw with. What do you want with my kind? Sweetheart. Because you see, this woman had had five husbands, and she was currently in a situation. That was her routine. And so she thought this was just, just another down payment on her normal routine. But Jesus Christ, the relationship was waiting at the well for her. And friend, Jesus Christ is waiting here for you today. He wants to break somebody's routine here. So the lame man is routine. He's laid daily at the gate. The temple is religion. It's only dropped coins in his cup. And relationship walks up to him and says, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I do have, I'm going to give to you. It says you're used to people dropping a little coin in your cup, but what I'm going to drop on you is going to blow your mind beyond the realm of your expectation. Mister, you have been functioning at a lower level of expectation and you have been receiving at that level. But today is a new day. Come and receive what Almighty God has for you. Now, I shouldn't even have to go here. But, you know, people want to make this story out about that, you know, you got to be poor if you're going to serve God. They were coming to church. They didn't have any money. <laughs> this isn't about Peter and John being broke. This is about different levels going into a new dimension. And they're telling this man there's another dimension than the one he's been living in all these years. These guys would not have gone to the temple broke because giving was a vital part of the worship experience. These boys had their tithe. But this guy, the lame man, was expecting on a lower dimension, so Peter and John didn't give the guy money 
Because silver and gold would not fix his problem. Silver and gold was not what he needed. They're not going to give him what's not going to work. When I'm in Africa, I don't take X-lax to stop the runs. Now, that's too much information, but you get my point. It's true. I made a mistake and tried it one time. It was not pretty. Now, notice, they didn't even pray for the guy. They didn't kneel down, they didn't kneel down beside him and say, Oh, Father God in heaven, blessed be thy name, if it be thy will. Come and intervene in behalf of this lame man. No, they didn't pray for the guy at all. They didn't talk to God about him. They talked to him, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. And then they spoke directly to his condition. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why didn't they pray? Well, they didn't pray because if you pray and it doesn't work, well, you can still blame God. Don't look at me like you haven't done it. Well, I guess the Lord didn't hear my prayer. I guess it's not the Lord's will. But they commanded and spoke to his condition. They spoke to his circumstance and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and do what you couldn't do before. Now, you know why we don't do that today? What if it doesn't work? I made all those bold statements, but suppose it doesn't work. I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm believing to get up because what if it doesn't work? I'm not going to tell anyone I'm believing for my healing, I'm believing for my finances because what if it doesn't work? I'm not going to tell my people at work that I'm a Christian and I'm not going to witness to them because they know me and what if it doesn't work? So we don't sell out because we don't want to disappoint anyone. And we always want to leave room for a graceful exit. Because after all, What if it doesn't work? Then I really look foolish. But they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, I'd love to tell you that when they said it, the lame man jumped up. And a lot of times we preach it that way, but that's not what the Bible says. They spoke the word and nothing happened. But you see, sometimes you have to fight for what you want. And the devil is a liar. And the Bible says faith without works is dead. So Peter took him by the hand and yanked him up. 
And somewhere between this man's low expectations and the high results that God wanted to do for him, his feet and ankles received strength. When he started getting up, he was getting up on Peter's strength. But as Peter was pulling him up, something happened and the Holy Ghost took over. Friend, I need to be around somebody who will pull me up. I don't want to be around people who just drop coins in my cup. I need to be around someone who says, wait a minute, Mike, you are better than this. The devil cannot keep you down. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. So rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And so the craziest thing, the miracle happened in the process. Peter spoke, but the man didn't leap. But verse 7 says, as Peter lifted him up, as Peter was in the process, immediately. See, some people are waiting on a miracle. But if you will start out on my strength, if you will start out on the elder's strength, if you will start out on Pastor Travis's strength, if you'll start out on someone else's strength, somewhere along the way, God's strength will step in and lift you up. But if you don't raise your expectations, if you don't trust anyone to challenge you, if you don't make the effort to break your routine, you will always lay in the same condition. And what do we do most of the time? Well, we hang around lame people. But that's why you can't hang around lame people. Because lame people can't pull you up. You have to get around people who are stronger than you are, who can yank you up and help you raise your expectations. So you can go through the gate and not sit daily and look at the gate. I'm going to close with this. Now, as we've seen, you know, this man had been lame all of his life. But if you think about it, the man could see because they said, look at us. He could hear because they spoke to him. His hands worked because he reached out to them. The only thing that had shut down his whole life, the only thing that didn't work was his ankles. Isn't it interesting? Now think about this with me. Isn't it interesting how a little thing, one small thing can hold up everything in your life? Isn't that interesting? But you see, God knows exactly. He knows exactly what that little thing is that's holding you back. And the Bible says that when Peter lifted him, immediately, immediately. Now, immediately is in contrast to, well, he was lame from his mother's womb. So he had been lame all of his life. But you see, when God came on the scene, his recovery did not look like his history. God gave him an immediate answer to a long-term problem. Why? Because he had the courage to expect something. Do you have the courage 
today to expect something different? Do you have the courage to expect something that you've never experienced? I mean, this guy had never walked in his life. And yet immediately he started walking and leaping and praising God. Friend, I urge you, get ready. Get ready to walk where you have never been before. Get ready to walk into a new dimension that you've never seen before. Raise your expectations. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to keep the same routine. You can go from lying to walking and leaping and praising God. Praising God is the key to not staying where you are. Maybe you're a beggar today. Maybe you are lame. But you can be walking and leaping and praising God. And if you will keep praising Him, you will get past the gate of your restriction. I challenge you today to throw down your cup because God wants to take you to an entirely different level of spiritual increase. Bow your heads with me if you would. Friend, God wants to touch that thing in your life Lameness, the place of dysfunction. He wants to heal that spot. Whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your body, your soul, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your relationships, God wants to touch you until you are running and leaping and praising Him. So as the Holy Spirit deals with secret little part of your life that keeps pulling you down? What's that thing that always knocks you back down to the same routine where your Monday looks like Tuesday and your Wednesday looks like Friday? Jesus is passing by. Jesus to lift you up from the expectation, from the cycle of low expectations, from the expectation that it's never going to get any better, I invite you to raise your hand as a signal of faith that God is going to do something in your life. You may be here today and you have sin in your life. You need to be forgiven. You need the blood of Jesus to wash you clean. Jesus can take care of that. If you need to be born again today, would you raise your hand? You need to be forgiven of sin. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You may be a Christian. You profess, you believe, but, but maybe your spiritual walk 
is in a lame season right now. Would you raise your hand? That you need God to do something. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, maybe you're here today. Everything's fine. You love the Lord. Things are going great. But you know, you know that there is a new level that God wants to take you to. And you want him to raise your expectations to receive that. Would you raise your hand? You know God has something new for you. Yeah. Yeah. He does. God wants to do something special for each and every one of us in this room today. 